Hi, everyone, and welcome back to NextCasts. My name's Perrine, and I'm your host. Usually, I interview experts about various topics in education, research, and technology, but today we wanted to do something a little bit different. It's part of an exciting event series we've been doing on the future of mobility, together with the Swiss Federal Railway, SBB. And in this podcast episode, we are going to do a deep dive into autonomous vehicles, checking in with SBB outposts, not only here in San Francisco, but also in Tel Aviv and in Shanghai. I'm Stefan. I work as a technology in innovation outpost for Swiss railways in Asia with a home base in Shanghai. My name is Rama Marcus. At the moment, I'm working out of Tel Aviv. My name is Andreas Jossen, and I'm the innovation and technology scout for SBB, and I am based in San Francisco. About two years ago, we started this endeavor of establishing three outposts. The focus here is actually to be more present in the markets where technology, relevant technology, is um, arising and developing. My job is is looking for new trends and technology, as well as companies with products that could be relevant for the mobility and also the railway sector. Scouting for relevant startups, for technologies that could be interesting for us to deploy in Switzerland for SBB. Living in San Francisco, I see self-driving cars every day. I read about them all the time. I see headlines that are promising they're going to change our lives, but I'm not really clear on when. So instead of predicting, I thought we could take a moment to check in on where we're actually at when it comes to autonomous cars. Right now, right here on the streets of San Francisco, of Tel Aviv and Shanghai. And by looking into this, perhaps we'll get a better understanding of when cars will not only assist us to drive, but will take over driving altogether. And seeing as we're hoping to replace ourselves in front of the wheel, we need to develop lots of intelligent technology. If you don't have a driver, you're basically missing one crucial thing, um, the eyes of the driver. So, so how does a car actually see? Rama Marcus works at SBB's outpost in Tel Aviv in Israel. If you look at the three main answers to this question, you basically get cameras, you get LiDAR and you get radar. Radar works with, with radio waves where radio waves are um, sent out and then they bounce off objects, they come back and they're interpreted. Uh, LiDAR works similar, but LiDAR uses light waves, so laser. It's, it's more accurate than radar, it's more precise, it's less prone to, to weather impacts. The problem is it's much more expensive than radar. It's the latest technology to the game, and it's still a bit controversial. There are people that will tell you, yes, LiDAR is so much better than radar, and you will have people like Elon Musk who, who will tell you LiDAR is a fool's errand. Not only that, we, the SpaceX developed its own LiDAR from scratch, and I spearheaded that effort personally, because in that scenario, LiDAR makes sense. And in cars, it's friggin' stupid. It's expensive and unnecessary, and as Andre was saying, once you solve vision, it, it's worthless. Solving vision is just one of the many tech challenges that initiatives around autonomous vehicles in Israel are trying to solve right now. 
You might not think of Israel as a car manufacturing nation, like, say, Germany, the US or China. And you're right, they are not. But what they do have is very advanced technology that they have developed for their military, and that seems to create a great base for further innovation. And there are a multitude of startup initiatives in Israel working on this task. There's a, an Israeli startup that we've been working together. They build retrofit kits for self-driving cars. So this means basically, what, what car do you drive today? I don't drive a car. I live in San Francisco and I ride my bike. Okay, the, the, the bike thing doesn't really work. So, so I drive a 2004 Land Cruiser, which is the, pretty much the opposite of a self-driving car. They created a, a kit that you, you mount on like my car, which is a multitude of, of sensors plus an AI that basically turns your old car into an autonomous vehicle. They didn't do this with my car, unfortunately, I have to say. <laughs> but I sat in, a, in an old Prius. And it was, it was really an old Prius, not, nothing, nothing new and fancy. And we, we, we drove through the neighborhood and it was, it was very, it was remarkable, um, the results that they showed. Um, we did, basically did one round of mapping where the, the car had to map its surroundings and the second round was completely self-driven. So the car was driving once around the block and during this first tour, the technology was observing the street and everything that was going on around it. And then for the second tour, it drove all by itself. How did that happen? The sensors that I, that I mentioned, that's only one part of the equation because sensing something isn't enough. You need to be able to interpret what you see. The sensors need to know this is a leaf or this is a, this is a human. And the reaction to the, to the leaf and to the human obviously has to be different. So, so it's not only detecting, but it's also classifying. And after the classification comes the decision of, of what to do. So that's why we're putting a lot of effort into teaching these machines how to drive by themselves. And that's a process that is happening step by step. And in the autonomous vehicles industry, they refer to this as the five steps of automation. This is a scale on which the machines slowly but surely get more independence to make their own decisions. Full automation, meaning that the car drives all by itself, is level five. The opposite of that is level zero, where there is no technology assisting us to drive. For vehicles starting at level one, machines are assisting us with things like cruise control. Then at level two, it can take full control of steering and speed, but only under certain conditions. At level three, you can decide to give full control to your car to drive autonomously. Then the dynamic flips on level four, where the car takes over the driving and you assist the car whenever is needed. And at level five, well, that's the car driving all by itself without our support or interference. So how do we get to level five? Well, we need to do an enormous amount of testing. Um, experts say that autonomous cars will have to drive about 5 million kilometers or 500 million kilometers, an insane uh, amount of kilometers until we have enough data collected um, to actually know 
what we're getting into and to, to have enough data to, to create robust legislation and, and robust rules. And that testing is happening right now, all over the world, around the clock. A good place to start is San Francisco. And here is Andreas from SBB's outpost here in the city. I'm on my bike on Market Street, which is usually pretty busy, but it's quite relaxed for a Friday afternoon. And there was just a Waymo car passing by, and then afterwards there was a Tesla car. Oh, look, there's another Tesla car. Just right around the corner crossing the street. I have to say, or I have to admit, that every time when I see a self-driving car, I get super excited. And I kind of have this feeling that because I'm partaking in public transits, where I'm a passenger, uh, whether I'm on a bike or just walking in the streets, I'm kind of teaching these cars how to drive. So I'm part of this <laughs> in a way. I'm not taking credit, but I just feel honored to be somehow involved in this and to actually see it right now and then probably in a few years or in a few generations we can tell like actually hey i remember still when we had to drive our cars ourselves why do you think we have so many self-driving cars testing on the streets of san francisco so first of all it's the heart of silicon valley there's so many companies and startups that are tackling exactly this right here you know, Waymo, the Google company, um, is here. Cruise has its headquarters here. Zooks has it in Foster City, so a little bit outside. And then there's also Tesla, Uber, Apple. They're all here. So this is already the ecosystem where this is taking place. And then the second factor that is playing into this is that the Californian Department of Motor Vehicles, the DMV, is quite eager to encourage innovation. And they started actually in 2014 a program for autonomous vehicle testing. So they are really on the forefront of encouraging this innovation. They want to push people and startups and companies to test actually these uh, things. And then lastly, I think it's actually also the, the San Francisco street. So the city itself is a cool test bed for this kind of autonomous vehicles testing because, you know, everyone can drive in a straight line. That's easier. But if you have a city, a dense um, traffic situation with multiple lanes, you have bicycles, tourists, cable cars, buses and all this coming together. So it's quite challenging for just a normal driver, for, for you and me to drive there. But then for an autonomous vehicle to drive there is even more complex. So that's why it's good here for them to learn it. San Francisco has repeatedly been voted um, as one of the worst cities to drive in, actually. Forbes magazine rated them the worst city to drive. And it was quite interesting because Cruise, one of the autonomous vehicle companies, they had a huge billboard on Market Street and they were like riding on it. Hey, yes, San Francisco is the worst city to drive, but the best city to learn how to drive for their autonomous vehicles. So I thought that was really funny. These cars are all over the city and it is impossible to miss them once you see them in the street. I'm just standing next to a self-driving car and it's about to drive ahead and it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight cameras that I see. So I kind of feel, as a pedestrian, surveyed. Yeah, these cars have about 40 sensors on top of them, different ones. And I mean, most of the, the normal commercial cars nowadays have a lot of sensors as well. You know, your backup camera is also a camera. And even a normal standard Tesla has about nine cameras already in use. Um, but these have 40, so there's quite a few more cameras and, of course, LiDAR sensors. Um, radar and a lot of heavy machinery inside so they have a lot of computers that are recording everything and, and trying to calculate and, and anticipate what is going on and at the moment 
I don't know why, because some companies do have a permit to go driverless. Um, but you usually see someone sitting in that spot where usually the driver is. But I think this is probably because they don't want to scare off other um, drivers. In, because how would you react if you drive somewhere and then next to you, you look around and there's a car with not a driver inside? So it's not really easy to see whether they are testing at level three or level four. Every time when I see one, I try to spot and, and see if the person is actually touching the steering wheel or is there a steering wheel in the first place. Um, sometimes they're still doing it, sometimes they're not. They're just holding their hands there and, and that's quite cool to, to see in the inside. But how does it actually feel to be inside the car that is testing on level four? To discover this, we'll head over to China where they have dedicated over 54 kilometers or 33 miles to testing in a suburb northwest of Shanghai. And Stefan from SPB's Outpost actually got a chance to ride as a passenger in an automated car testing at level four. It's like a district that has big streets, not too heavy traffic. And when you walk on the sidewalk or drive on the streets, you see many autonomous vehicles of different uh, companies driving around. Along the sidewalk, you also see kind of pillars with the sign uh, robot taxi stop. So actually these are the, the stops or a, a robot taxi can pick you up. A robotaxi is a self-driving taxi operated by a car-sharing company. In Stefan's case, it was operated by Didi. Stefan, could you tell us more about what Didi is? Didi is actually uh, China's largest ride-hailing platform. It's, it's quite similar to Uber. It's As a customer, you just use their app to book a ride. So it's an e easy ride-hailing platform. After reading about it in the newspaper, Stefan called up his local connection at Didi and checked if he could go for a test drive with them. He was instructed to take the subway out to Sha Ding and open the Didi app to order a ride. So he did. The car arrived, Stefan opened the back door and got in. In the car, there was like, uh, on the driver's seat, there was like the safety driver and uh, on the passenger seat in front, there was like a guy with a notebook. It seemed that he was like analyzing the data during the ride. The guy who was driving was holding his hands just centimeters away from the steering wheel, letting the car drive by itself. So he was just like there uh, ready to, to, to take over manual, manual control. So how was it? Were you afraid? I mean, f first when they uh, when they changed the mode to autonomous driving, uh, you are a bit curious or wondering whether the car will re really break when there's an obstacle or even traffic light, or how it will behave if like uh, uh, another car is is taking over. Uh, I think once you once you f see that. Uh, that the, the car can handle most of the situation, you, you start to feel safe and then you can, you can uh, quite enjoy the ride. So if they manage to clear these tests and successfully make it to level five and implement this, how do you think that robotaxis can be useful? I think in general, uh, it's like, a, or it can solve uh, challenges of all big cities. I mean, mobility with less cars. So I think it can be, Robotaxi can be a part of, of solving the congestion problems. Uh, just as a reference, I mean, now uh, Shanghai 
even now during during rush hours peak hours uh, number plates from other provinces are not allowed to use the roads in the inner circle so actually you have to you have a problem and you currently use regulations to solve this and this is this is one part solving congestion and uh, just providing mobility with less cars and then uh, for the other for sure it's like operators of right hailing platforms i think for them it's this could be a uh, uh, additional uh, revenue stream in case they uh, they uh, reach a level where they don't need like uh, any driver on board and then they just can like uh, they don't have to pay any more like a physical driver who who operates the car and just like uh, as a, i mean even a taxi industry if you say robot taxis uh, i think by 2019 China had around like 1.4 million taxis. So there is quite a big potential. So what about level five testing? Cars that are driving fully by themselves with no driver. Have you spotted anything there? There's not a lot of information about level five testing. Um, I have seen videos of, of one autonomous vehicle company that is like a operating a test in real world without the safety drivers but i do not know whether this car uh, really reaches or is, uh, is considered to be a level five and what about you andreas what's the status of level five testing in san francisco cruise is a company that is in collaboration with general motors and honda and they have been testing driverless cars for quite a few years now they have their headquarters in san francisco and just at the beginning of June, they announced that they will be able to do driverless um, taxi rides, so to say, in San Francisco. So Cruise is the first company in California that got the permit to do that. Nuro, another startup, has um, the permit for driverless cargo sh shipping, kind of. But Cruise is the first one with passengers on the inside. Um, and they just got it a few weeks ago. So I think... What is stopping them? They probably they're just ramping up the internal processes. How do we actually do this? What, how can people sign up for this? And then they probably will have an offer. Um, at the moment, uh, as far as I can see from the legislation, they're not allowed to charge customers for this. So it will be free rides through San Francisco um, without a driver. And yeah, I, I want to be one of the first to sign up for this. So I'm, I'm screening their website every day. I'm uh, um, I'm on their newsletter and everything, trying to get as much information. So as soon as it starts, I, I want to try it out. I'm really eager to do this. And Rama, testing so far hasn't been very prevalent in Israel. But have there been any developments on your side? Um, Israel actually just passed the legislation to pilot and to test self-driving cars within the country. Israel is also, if all goes well, and if there are no large political obstacles that will be having to take in um, Israel is launching its first fleet of robo taxis in uh, Tel Aviv and Jerusalem by 2022. We've seen that there is so much activity around testing and it seems to slowly make its way up the ranks. But where does all this leave us? What are the next steps? I think San Francisco will be quite the important player for autonomous vehicles because of Silicon Valley and all the companies that are here um, and because it's quite interesting traffic-wise to learn here. Um, 
But on the other hand, it's also quite different because what about different weather? There's never snow here. So you also have to count into that. So maybe they learn here first and then they go also to other territories where they have different weather conditions, different streets. What happens if they go to a different country and the, the streets are, are different, the lanes have different uh, shapes or wider or more narrow. So every time they have to adapt to these certain situations. So it's good that they do a lot of learning here, that they're doing it in kind of their backyard. But then they also have to go out into the world and prove that they can drive there as well. So I think it's maybe where it begins. Autonomous driving is in San Francisco a good starting place, but then from there it will expand all over the world. And would you say that China is taking over that relay, Stefan? China generally is progressing super fast. And uh, I, I believe that they become a, a leader in autonomous vehicles, not only with regard to robot taxis, but also other vehicles such as uh, autonomous trucks or autonomous cleaning vehicles. It's just the, the pure size and the power of, of China. And so they also have nationwide testing areas. And uh, the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology can draft and implement also national uh, guidelines uh, from a regu uh, regula regulatory side. And I think also generally like uh, uh, Chinese people, they are really eager and fast in adapting and accepting new technologies. So how far off are we to actually implementing autonomous vehicles on a grander scale? Do you have any estimation, Rama? <laughs> that's right. That's that's the one hundred million dollar question, right? If if you get that right, I have I have no clue. Look, um, there's there's so many buts and maybes, and I'm I'm very reluctant to throw an, a number out there. Um, again, if I can I can imagine that there could be a tipping point. Um, I I don't I don't see. Um, self-driving cars in masses within the next 15 years that doesn't mean that we won't have self-driving cars but if your question is when will people stop driving cars we have to differentiate between metropolitan urban areas and non-metropolitan suburban areas and and rural, rural areas i think rural areas will will this will go a, a long way until um, people won't drive anymore in metropolitan urban areas. I, I believe maybe 20 years is realistic, but you know, I might be com completely wrong. Again, this is the question where, where everyone has a different answer and I just don't know. And I, I think it will soon be part of our lives. I mean, it technically already is because you know, Every normal car has already a backup camera. There's cars from a couple of years ago, actually, that already can do sideways parkings by themselves. So that has gradually become part of our lives. And I think more and more we will have these autonomous features that will into, come into our lives. And then it will be a, a question of regulation. How will cities react or countries react to this? What will be allowed and what not? And that process might take a few more years for everyone to figure out how it will go but i think it's definitely on the horizon we can we can see self-driving cars and i'm super excited for them to come and then what will happen will we own cars probably not because if you have a self-driving car it will just drive away you you take it from a to b and then you let it go and it takes the next passenger or not um 
Oh yeah, what happens to public transit? What happens to vehicle ownership? These are very interesting questions that we have to face in the future. Yes, the more we advance up the levels of autonomy, the more questions we need to answer. And we will probably come back to some of those questions later in the series. Yeah, I've, I feel like I've been doing the same. Like I'm always peering in to see, okay, is the person holding the steering wheel or is there even someone behind the wheel? And there always seems to be someone behind the wheel, wheel still, um, but sometimes they're not holding the steering wheel. And I feel like mm -hmm. that's something that's happened more, more recently. Yeah. In the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed this peek into autonomous vehicles and what is going on in the streets of Tel Aviv, San Francisco and Shanghai. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, that's it. Done. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Okay, it was great talking to you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yeah, to you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I know I'll be looking out for no hands on the steering wheel next time I pass an autonomous vehicle. That's for sure.